Shafee. Shafee, are you there? Do you want a deal with the devil? do with a soul anyways. Night has fallen on the hill country surrounding Austin, Texas, although you wouldn't necessarily know it because there's kind of a little cloud cover that's doing that thing where it reflects the city lights, so the sky is kind of lighter than the ground, so you can see the, the very twisted trees, trees, did I say trees funny? Trees gloaming against the, uh, the like, wedding tent night. Uh, very, very weird night here. It's been, uh, it's been like this here in Austin. It's been alternating uh, fairly cold and chilly and clear and brisk north wind you know 40 degrees alternating with then it just pops right back up to 80 degrees and it's humid and it's like this right now there are buzzes there are uh bugs buzzing and uh it's it's a pretty pretty weird feeling night time for a weird a weird podcast going to uh going to kind of clean out our old show sheets uh, some stuff that got pushed back and pushed back. Uh, Going to talk about some some things. Try to remember why we put them on the show sheet in the first place. Uh, and then uh, have some have some Matthew talk of uh, of Disney or Disney Plus as it's called these days. And then I'm sure we'll close it out with a poetry corner. But first, let's uh, let's get this guy on the horn. He is the pride of Tarzana, California, known for his children's folk rock stylings. He is a Martin Inga sneaker and a uh, and um, and a, and a magnifique or two. Can't remember how that one goes. <laughs> he has mandibles like the predator. He's Matthew Roy. Hey, Mister KJ, put a record on. I wanna cast with my shafe. When the recording starts, I never want to stop. We're going to talk like crazy. Podcasts make the people come together. Yeah. Podcasts mix the bourgeoisie and the rebel. Wow, 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 wow. From Madonna's music album. Do you remember that? No. Oh, oh, oi, Madonna. Is you, oi, Maradona, what are you saying? Um, you don't remember, you don't know that song, Madonna's Music? That was at a time you were in New York doing other things, man. You might listen to Madonna's music. That's funny. Um, I'm pretty sure that you, we can check this, but I'm pretty sure that you introduced me tonight as Matthew Roy. Oh. <laughs> wow. I, could, I could be, one of us is foolish here because either I misheard that or you misspoke it, or both. So that seems uh, like a perfectly reasonable well, thing. I can't. I can't wait. Now I can't wait to. For once, I can't wait to listen to the recording. Excuse <laughs> <laughs> me. Um, hey, Shafi, you were talking about the weather, mm -hmm. and 
throughout my time in Austin, there have been those those nights that are so full of moisture that the city lights really light up the sky. It can be very bright at night sometimes in Austin, Texas, in that way, you know. And then at other times, it can be very, very dark. It's an interesting phenomenon. It's even worse in Houston, um, just because there's more lights and there's often more, more lights and more, more cloud cover and, yeah. and more moisture. There are times in Houston when you can just walk around and it's like day. You can see everything. You can uh, look. Is that glowing in the trees? Is that the setting moon over there? Can you see that? Um, I don't think so because oh, the moon was quite high earlier. That's somebody's back. There. I thought you were looking over there. We're, of course, on the my back porch again. One magical universe with you here on a, my back porch. And you missed the possum. Oh. Like by just a couple of minutes. There's a giant possum that's probably that's the size of the rodents of unusual size. I've seen him before, yeah. And um, I'm thinking about asking him to move out. <laughs> but maybe that's not the right move. Because like you say, Each they, bugs. they eat a lot of bugs. Speaking of my backyard, my neighborhood. I wanted to talk about the dying... Of friendliness in Austin, Texas. Not just Austin. I think the world world over, my friend. Listen, when I'm in Orange Beach, Alabama, it doesn't seem like friendliness is dying. Oh, yeah. But maybe it is the world over. That bums me out even more. Mainly, it bums me out that I, in my neighborhood, it's become, you know, a, a nice neighborhood to live in. Like, if you're moving into this neighborhood... Like you're doing pretty well, right? Yeah. And which we weren't necessarily ten years ago when we moved here, um, but you know it's Central Austin and um, a lot of uh, a lot of fancy cars moving into the neighborhood. Maybe they're coming from places that aren't Texas, you know, or that aren't Orange Beach, Alabama. You know what I'm saying? And people, you know, listen. Not everywhere are people so howdy doody friendly as they are here in Texas in in the greater Texas region and in the South of America. I get it. I know. And that's fine. But when I'm in my neighborhood and I, I walk past some people on the street and it, this isn't like a street, like you would think of in a big city where people are passing each other all the time. It's me and my daughter walking and maybe another family. And that that's it. Who, who you're seeing and listen, I give people all my life. I've I've said I say hello to people. I look people in the eye, and I say hello. You know, and there's a lot of uh, of not maybe not a response back or or a look of suspicion, like what's this con artist trying to get off of me or what? And I know you have to comport yourself in different ways in different parts of the world. If you're in London town, you can't go around just saying howdy. Sure folks. you can. You can. I guess, but and you can do it in New York too. Like I, you know, particularly on my block in New York, I remember okay. yeah. there were there were the kind of people who sat on their stoop uh-huh. and those people, those people wanted to, you know, were happy to chat with you anytime you you took the time. Yeah, I found New York to be quite friendly. Uh, what, and I, you know, what's a really unfriendly place? Pittsburgh? There's not. 
Well, I mean, any any town where you don't sit on your porch, any town where you go straight from your living room to your air-conditioned car. Like Lubbock? To your job or whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, Lubbock too. Although, you know, Lubbock, just because... Lubbock evenings tend to be very pleasant. Yeah. I find people get out and walk around more. People tend to just be doing things outside. Right. In a, you know, of a nice evening because you can't necessarily do it during the day because it's too hot. Yeah. Dusty. Um, So there, I think it was a little more, but it's dying there too. Mm. You know, as yeah, people just, people don't want to take the time to do that anymore. And it's too bad. It's, you know, I, I think like, you know, it's one of the, endemic you know one of the big problems with all of this that's going on you know yeah not understanding what the other person's talking about not you know not wanting to understand not you know you think it's the devices it's like people are accustomed to interacting on device and so yeah i honestly yes i it's technology right it's i think the two big things are air conditioning air conditioning and television yeah yeah. Those are the things that stopped you from sitting out on your porch and having to, you know, amuse yourself, you know? Yeah. I definitely heard treaties of, especially in Austin, this idea that air conditioning reduced the feeling of community, you know? I mean, yeah. You, people are just inside. You can stay inside, you know, and then the, throw the TV on top of it, you're constantly entertained. Which, I mean, you know, is like, is that all that human beings are looking for? Is just, you know, entertainment to pass the time? Or, you know, after they've provided for their children and reproduced and then you just wait around for death? I don't know. Like, like what's the Now diff- that you say it, yeah, <laughs> it seems like uh, that's kind of the vibe these days. What's the difference between, you know, like, all right, you know, you can't talk to your neighbor, but, or you can watch Doogie Hauser or. There's definitely a. Uh, a marked lack of community in a lot of our communities these days. I think that's what that's also related to our mass shooter problem. You know, it's people who just fall through the cracks of society and are experiencing, you know, acute mental health Extreme problems and, shit. and they're not noticed because of the same sort of thing, because people in my neighborhood aren't saying hi back. Right. I, yeah, I, you know, I think it's probably true. Unfortunately, I don't know what to do about it. Like, Well, one thing I've decided to do about it here in the neighborhood is to become irritatingly friendly. <laughs> if I wasn't already. So you're you're, you're going <laughs> to solve the problem by frightening the people that you I use feel like I've put on airs long enough in my life trying to act cool. And I'm just going to be... Howdy doody in your face, really? smiling, friendly. Dad, dad, don't say hi to the neighbors. Why are you doing that? No, I'm, I feel like I'm. I, Isabel notices it too. Yeah, you know, and and I I I want to raise them like I was raised. I I, I remember having a discussion with my grandparents about yeah. the friendliness in Texas sort of thing, and they said said that you know when. In a time when we're out here on the plains and it's spread out and people are spread out and you don't see people that often because it's a sparse frontier basically still. And when you do run into somebody, you, you want to stop and talk. 
mm-hmm. you know, and you, at the minimum, you're going to say, hi, howdy, or, you know, if not, hey, just let's just have a chat. Let's yeah. parley. Yeah. Um, so I guess when you when pipes. you sort of look at it like that in a more dense urban environment, I mean, I understand that people want their privacy. People don't want to like. I mean, I, I think I, here from, we're close together. We should be talking even more. But from the from the viewpoint of the unfriendly neighbor, I, I understand the desire to be to have a private life, and I don't want my neighbors up in my business all the time. And maybe people feel like if you give somebody an inch, they take a mile of, of your, you know, they don't want new friends. That's fine. But I, I, I just think it's just, there's important. It's just, just recognizing somebody and just being like, namaste. I, I see you, you know, uh, I don't know. Fuck. Yeah. I did just use namaste and the, and the F word. <laughs> three words. Namaste, I see you. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I agree. You know, um, my mom is, you know, really famous for like never having met a stranger. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Your mom, she, your mom will have a chat. She's, you know, the and the longer the line at the post office, the more she's going to, yeah. you know, if if you give her twenty minutes, you know, in a post office line, then she's like helped one girl apply for college. You know, she's helped the old lady figure out her taxes. She's you know, she's a dynamo, and I I like that. I it you know that I think you know for me that all it is bartending, you know. Yep. Yeah, because people want to come in and talk to the barkeep. But then I see it in a little shafy too. Like he's definitely got like whatever gene my mother has that's just like the talk about it gene yeah is it's probably um, related to the performative gene which yeah. we've chronicled here it's it's a problem for him too because he's got <laughs> he's got something i did and that's the total willingness to just like walk out the front door into the world uh-huh. you know and be like all right i know i'm gonna get in trouble for this but whatever mm, you know like boy. i'm excited about everything out there so he like will just walk up, unlock the front door, knows he's not supposed to, walk out the front door, see that the neighbors across the street are having a first communion party, walk over there, be like, "Hey, what's going on over here? I want to be a part of it." And then they're like, and then they're like, "My sister, I don't know if this actually happened. But I think that, like, the it, the specificity would suggest that it happened. Something like that happened. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe my my sister." My sister-in-law, like, realized it was happening before. Like, it wasn't like they got a call being like, hey, there's a little kid over here. Uh, she figured it out. But, like, it's definitely a huge problem, um, you know. Because, you yeah. know, you can't be watching the kids every second. There's... No, you can't. It's funny that they named him Shafee, huh? Well, I wonder which yeah. I wonder which came first. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Is it the name? <laughs> Is it the name? <laughs> um, well, I actually went on the we have a pretty active neighborhood facebook group and obviously something like this happened today where i waved at some people and it was a family uh, young one young child um and the the father did seem to real i i as we approached them from the other side of the street they were across the street I, you know, I put up a hand and I was like, hi, you know, I both waved and said audibly hi to these people. 
and the man seemed to reluctantly raise his hand, but his his countenance did not change. His mouth did not move. And then the woman looked at me and then furtively looked away. <laughs> it's fine. People don't have to be all howdy high, you know. Maybe they were up to something. <laughs> they didn't seem up to something. And then, and I know as like uh, a somewhat roguish looking white male that I can see how people would want to furtively look away if I was looking their way. But I'm there with my daughter. You know, that seems I would think that would be a little disarming, but maybe she already has that criminal gene look in her eye. <laughs> so who knows? Um, wow, this feels like we're podcasting. It certainly think, does. I think I think Shafee and I were actually concerned we'd forgotten how to podcast <laughs> as we started this evening. We were we were a little rusty last time, and there had been a little bit of a there had been a little bit of a break in service. Um, Shafee's making changes to the. This segment's called "Changes to the Show." To the show, Shafee. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, he's just adding my favorite new segment, so that's cool. Um, which we could we we could just jump right into that. <laughs> Matthew, have you ever wondered? Matthew, have you ever wondered? Wondered whatever became of me. I'm living on imaginary radio. I'm living on that W O M H. Apples! Apples! I love that theme song. Go ahead. I was texting with someone today. And Matthew, have you ever wondered? Do you know the uh, the phrase, I, I hear it most often out of Brooklyners' mouths, not for nothing? Um, yeah, you know, I have wondered about that. The, uh, yeah, what exactly, why do they, what exactly, so, so I, I can put you in context, right? Not for not nothing. For nothing. And not you, for nothing you, means. You don't hear that around here very often. It's, that doesn't seem to be a southern no, it's very much turn it's, of phrase. Even in New York, you only hear it out it's, of the mouths of people from Brooklyn. Brooklyn. I feel like not Where from, is Brooklyn? Uh, the <laughs> it's on Long Island. Uh, that, that's a that's a lyric from a most deaf track. Uh, so, so I can tell you in context, right? Not for nothing means you know I'm about to say something here, like here this this uh, this. Oh, this statement might not be of any great super importance, but it's also not of no importance. Okay. But I thought of a very specific I was texting with uh with some friends today uh and I I wanted to I I it occurred to me to use the phrase at the end of the text and that's saying something. <laughs> and then I realized not for nothing is another it's a way of saying and that's saying something at the beginning of a phrase. Okay. Oh. Because not for nothing then that is for something, right? Oh, okay. So I realized that that's basically it's basically the same thing just uh phrased differently and used differently. Is that at all like how in British English they have rising pitch at the end of the phrase? 
And, I don't know. And in, and in America, you kind of start up high and then go down. Is that true? Well, that is true. Unless you're but, asking questions. But, but I don't know. <laughs> unless you're asking questions. But I don't know if that relates to what we're talking about at all. Um, huh. Not for nothing. Do you know anything else about the origin of that? No. Okay. It just, when I said it, you know, and and honestly, the phrase and that's saying something, it sounded a little out of, it sounded a little out of, out of, out of, uh, out of sync to me. It sounded, it sounded dated, you know, and that's saying something, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I was like, do I really want to sound like, like Andy Rooney here? Uh, and so then I thought about it. I was like, Oh, I could say instead of ending it with it and that's saying something, I could begin it by saying not for nothing. And that, uh, that sounds much more contemporary. Your disdain for Andy Rooney knows. No I mean, he just he symbolizes the grumpy old man sitting around complaining about everything to me. Yeah, but he oftentimes made a lot of sense. And maybe so. I, I, I thought so. But maybe I've been that I grumpy maybe, old man. My maybe own. I only saw the bad stuff. Like, he was circulating. He wrote an article. Like he wrote a, an op-ed piece that was circulating for a while that was, like, telling people that they're tipping too much. <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, I, you know, I, I think maybe we're paying grumpy old men too much to to spout their shit on sixty minutes." Andy Rooney, did you ever think of that? How much are we paying you? So you do have a perfect personal beef. I mean, that was like, and you know, and that combined with like, you know, I just, I think maybe I caught a repeat of sixty minutes, like. So I saw him do it twice. He did this routine where he was going through the things in his kitchen utensil drawer. And he was like, what is this? And he pulled out an egg whisk. And he's like, I have two of these. And I don't even know what one of them does. And I was, and it was just like, oh, God, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I totally see your point of view. I just <laughs> I just always really sort of enjoyed Andy Rooney. Okay. Interesting. Um yeah, I mean, that's just another terrible thing about myself that I don't want anybody <laughs> to know that I've now said on my podcast. <laughs> Going back to not for nothing, the scenario that you described where at the end of what you said, you said, and that's saying something. In my mind, like, I feel more confident in putting that in at the end, like starting with not for nothing, although it may contain the same uh, kind of meaning, mm. it, it frightens me that you have the bravado to say it right at the beginning, not for yeah. nothing, right? Because maybe you should just say nothing about it. And of course, <laughs> the big problem with any of these cliches is that people end up just staying them without even thinking about it, you know, so that they don't mean anything. Yeah, and then they and then they're being used out of context. Like, like people do this with, you know what I mean? <laughs> Again, something with you know what I mean? You're like, yeah. they, you should only use that if what you said could be construed as confusing in any way. Like, if you just said something perfectly reasonable that it was easy to understand what you mean, you don't need to say, you know what I mean. Yeah. Then, you, then, I, then I have to like think back and I'm like, is there anything about that that confused me? No, there wasn't because it was a perfectly reasonable, normal 
clear statement. So you don't have to say, you know what I mean? Uh, when you say something to somebody and then they respond, fair enough. Like, unless you're actually judging the relative fairness of two things. I, I am guilty, like, <laughs> guilty of that one. For otherwise, sure. you know, you're just saying something and it's, and then it's meaningless. But, but, but that's actually in the category of, for me, things that you say when you're trying to be polite. You, you, oh, yeah, you sure. know what I mean? You're trying to give somebody's somebody's asinine Wait, comments. You're being polite by calling something they said reasonable? You know, like, how is that polite? Well, like, uh, okay, so then to, to me also... that's very fair, I believe. But then to me also... I've cast I, judgment upon what you've said, and no, I find it fair. Well, I'm using it very tongue-in-cheek <laughs> sometimes, right? Yeah. You know, if somebody... If a crazy person comes up to you on the street and starts spouting something, you're not gonna engage <laughs> them so that unless, so unless that you're the, one of the shapies. So that it, so that the conversation you're not you don't want to give credence to whatever insanity that they're spouting. And so maybe you just go, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now that's that's how I might might use that. But that that is definitely in my arsenal of things to say when I don't know what to say. Yeah. Which is maybe which is not for nothing is in the category. I'm trying to realize, like, something. not for no, like my friend, you know, my friend who was Brooklyn born and raised. I Irish, still don't really understand Irish Catholic family. You know, tons of kids, tons of grandkids, tons of cousins, tons of aunts and uncles. Everybody, you know, running in and out of your, you know, your brownstone all day long. All that, you huh. know, know everybody on the street. It's a little slice of Americana. She used not for nothing a lot at the beginning of the phrase. She also used come here. She'd say come here before she said anything. And I think for her, you probably, if you just said something without a, without a preface to your sentence, it would get completely lost. Mm-hmm. You got to say, come here. That means listen to me. I'm about to say something uh, and then say it. Because otherwise in all that madness, what are the first half of what you said is going to be gone completely. And they'll be lucky that you even catch it, you know, catch up with the second half and maybe understand what you're saying. That's interesting. But if you say, come here, you say, not for nothing. You preface it with some stuff that you're not supposed to hear. This is just a cue for the person. Like, all right, this person's about to say something. It is not something that's for nothing. It is, uh, it is in fact, for something. It's funny, too, the way you describe that with, again, a density of humans a lot, a big community all together, as opposed to a small, smaller families out on the plains. Mm-hmm. So just when you start talking out on the plains, yeah. like somebody's going to listen yeah. because, like, Hey, somebody's like, broken God, somebody's the silence. Something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's de- there's definitely Something a dichotomy of wind and there's definitely a dichotomy of experience between <laughs> growing up in a brownstone in Brooklyn yeah. and growing up on a, a windswept Kalichi Hill in <laughs> Texas. <laughs> Matthew, have you watched any Succession yet? No, I've never seen that. What's that about? It's it's about rich people in New York doing horrible things. It's another, okay. it's another basically soap opera, but it's, is that like BBC, the billionaire boys club? 
Uh, well, yeah, it's, so I think maybe he's like, he's kind of loosely based on Rupert Murdoch, or maybe he could be Ted Turner. He's, you know, one of these media moguls who, you know, who, you know, has enough, uh, sway that, you know, he can, you know, his cable news network, you know, affects presidencies and stuff. So, okay. you know, these people, you know, they take private debts everywhere and it's, He's coming up on the, he's in the sunset of his years and he has three, three, four children really who are all kind of competing to take over the company from him. And one of them is played by Kieran Culkin. Oh, uh uh-huh. Holly Culkin's brother. And he's played hilariously. He is the joke cracking sexual deviant um hilarious and he's hilarious okay and is then, that why he was on snl maybe so okay the, but then the the uh kind of the oldest brother and heir apparent he's kendall roy he's played by this guy named jeremy strong and uh they just did a profile in the new yorker uh and tbtl too beautiful have covered this uh and kind of luke kind of had the same take on it that Everybody has. Well, fill me in because I haven't been listening to a lot of TVTL. Sorry, Podfathers. Okay. Uh, so there was there was some kind of uh, blowback from this article saying that that the writer did not treat he was the I think his name was Michael Shulman or something uh, did not treat Jeremy Strong very fair. And Jeremy Strong plays Kendall Roy. Kendall Roy, though. Okay. And he's the brooding heir apparent who keeps, he keeps, like, at the very beginning. Firstborn? Uh, not necessarily. Oh. Now, there's a, uh, actually, Alan Ruck, uh, Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He's plays, the firstborn? Yeah, the firstborn by another mother. Oh. So, kind of, he's kind of not taken very seriously. Right. Mother. And he's a, uh, <laughs> But yeah, Kendall Roy is this brooding character. He, he, at the very beginning of the show, he's he has been offered the spot to take over, and he's supposed to take over that day. And the patriarch, played by Brian Cox, decides that very day to that he's not ready to give up. You know. Okay. Yeah. And he's still going to be that's hands disappointing on. for the and that's so like the, the show begins rocky for Kendall, and it just it just gets worse, and he is. Just nothing, nothing goes right for this guy, and he is just constantly. Well, and at the same time, he's he's got everything that he wants in the world, right? And he's 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 brash and obnoxious, you know, in that you know rich bro kind of way, yeah. Corporate speak, all that stuff. Let's dovetail on that. Yeah, oh, maybe man. we should put oh. a pin in it. It's it's even worse with him, but uh. Uh, I would try to circle back on what you were saying. The thing about this guy is that for all of that, I always like found myself rooting for him. And even though Karen Carol Culkin's character is having more fun and is funnier, you know, this whole thing is kind of a black comedy, right? Okay. This whole show. Yeah. Uh, I, I still gravitated towards this Kendall Roy character. And, uh, so in this article, the article present, presents a portrait of the actor Jeremy Strong, and he is very 
he takes acting very seriously. Okay. To the point where parts of the article are almost laughable. Like the things that he does, like uh like staying, you know, kind of staying in one of those staying in character for too long. He talks about he wants every scene to be like what like a like a bear fight. So he at the expense of like like Kieran Culkin was kind of complaining this about anything. He doesn't want to rehearse. He wants the he wants to walk in cold and be astounded and you know have it be this, you know like here on thing. the podcast. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And Kieran Culkin's like, hey, you know, I don't really work that way, you know? It's, it's kind of at my expense here, you know? Some of the stuff going on. And, the, and my brother and I were talking about it, though, and, like, by the if you read the whole article, you know, you kind of realize, like, this guy is just taking acting very seriously. And, and, oh, so the other big thing is he says that he does not consider this show a comedy. He considers it a drama, you know? And... That's like back oh, this to me. is like him in real life. Yeah, he takes acting a little too serious. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, they, yeah, this is <laughs> okay. this is the real I was one. Conf- we're conflating him with his character. Yeah, well, which you know, I think sounds like he is too. <laughs> you know, and that like oh, like if you remember how I began this conversation, I was saying like I kept finding myself drawn to this character, even though he wasn't doing anything likable, even though the other characters were funnier. I just I kept rooting for him, and I kept finding myself drawn to him over the other ones, you know, even though there's nothing likable about him. And then, and so I think that that his dedication to the craft is probably why I was having that, felt that, you know, inexplicable magnetism towards him. That's you know? interesting. And, you know, and like I said, Kieran Culkin's funny. He does a great job and he's got some really good writing behind him too. But, uh, but I was inexplicably drawn to that Kendall Roy character, you know. And he's I think, like being true to himself. It's just... And it shines through. Yeah. Huh. And, you know, yeah. And, you know, the guy's got a wife and kids. Like, he's he's not totally, like, off the rails, right? Um, so, it's it's funny. Uh, and there's, you know, there's there's been a whole Reddit thing that's making fun of him, where it was actually, it was very entertaining, like... They were kind of taking other scenes from, uh, from Succession and ants and describing them the way that, like describing the uh, process the way that uh, Jeremy Strong described it, and so they were they were basically doing a parody of him, you know, talking about because he uses he uses some very elevated speech. I should pull up some. Uh, some examples of it. I, but, well, um, I should watch the show. I should yeah. like catch up with things that people are talking about. I've heard, I've heard about this program, Succession. Yeah, it's really it's really fun. I, uh, you know, when I started watching it, it was funny. It was because I was it was when I was so sick, you know, with whatever it was. Uh, oh, you just started watching it recently? Yeah. Okay. But like basically, like the first. It's been on for a while though. Yeah. Right? Basically, I binged the first two seasons while I was sick. Yeah. Okay. And it was Is funny. That Hulu? Like, uh HBO now. Okay. As as bad as I felt. That's what I gotta get HBO. Kendall Roy always seemed to be feeling worse than me. So it actually made me kind of feel better. Yeah. I was like, well, I'm feeling horrible. You know, I'm it's comforting. I'm coughing up, you know. He's like a human chicken soup. Yeah. I was like, but, I mean but, human but, in that he's a character on a TV. But at show. least I'm not Kendall Roy. Yeah. <laughs> as you started talking about 
There's like a little delayed robot there. As you started talking about um, watching a show, and and I made a reference to the Billionaire Boys Club. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? Yes. The TV miniseries starring Judd Nelson. Who else was in this? And this... Was this did this involve Robert Chambers or what? Who these were real life oh, people, right? Um, I actually cannot remember. I was trying to play the trailer here, but I think it's going to play an ad first, oh. so that's no good. I don't know. I think this is about um some parents killing their some kids killing their dad for money, right? Yeah, something like that. Okay. Well, look, we'll 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 come back. We'll come, but we'll come back to this. Oh no, no, we won't listen to an ad for sure. Do you do you remember seeing this when you were a kid? I I did not see it, and now I feel like I really want to see it. Okay, Um, I definitely want to see the trailer. Mr. Estelle, in what capacity did Mr. Booker work at the BBC? Uh, Booker hadn't been there very long when I asked Joe. Come on, what's a guy like Booker going to do around here? With his body and this my brains, we are friend. the ultimate man. He's in charge of security. He's my bodyguard. I don't, Look, Booker I don't, is from a different world. Um, you don't have no, his streets. Uh, they've got the same thing on Disney Plus where it says, watch a trailer, and it's just a clip from the movie. <laughs> This is about some guys who like kill somebody, and and it was a it was this is from 1987. It was a TV miniseries. Well, I'm totally going to watch Billionaire that. Boys Club with some act. Ooh, oh, Barry Tubb was involved in that. Wow. Shoot, we're we're one person away from from Billionaire Boys Club. Well, I've I've yeah I've met Barry. Yeah. Okay. Um. Anyway, we we I, we, we need to see this. We'll do a whole episode on it. So um, now we know how to connect Jameson to to Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson. Yeah, it's easy. In one step. I'm gonna save that for next time, and then I want to just touch base on something that we talked about in a previous episode. I have no idea which episode it was. Doogie. Kamealoa MD, the Disney Plus remake of Doogie Howser MD, starring uh, a Hawaiian teenager who is like a 16 year old doctor. <clears throat> I think that I unfairly, I, I said that the first episode drew me in, the second episode I was a little put out by. 10 episode series. I watch them all with my kids and people are like, yeah, right. With your kids. And um, (laughs) they turned out to be really, really wonderful. And um, the season was great. And 
I didn't realize I was watching the the last episode of the season and then it was over. And of course it goes instead of going to the next episode, it goes to a different show. And I was like, oh man, it's over. So if I were to give an avocado rating, which is something that we used to do on this program, I would give Doogie Camelo MD a solid seven avocados. There's a little cheese factor in there, but overall, really fun and heartwarming show. You know who, I've already asked this, you know who my favorite character is? The youngest kid. The little brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's delightful. Yeah. The dad, Benny, has a, a shaved ice truck. The, the mom is the chief of staff at the hospital. Um, and then the dad is like a surfer dude. But he used to he used what, to work on Wall Street or something name? and then what's that guy's name? Um sorry, I'm gonna look up something right. Vamp for just he's he played he played Jason Scott Lee. I, I was trying in, to call his name is Jason Scott Lee. Oh, okay. He played Bruce Lee in one of the Bruce Lee biopics. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he is he related he, to Bruce Lee? He's not related to Bruce Lee. Okay. Um, but and he's not the one who died, obviously. He's also, he's not Hawaiian. He's of Chinese descent, but he was raised in Hawaii. And he is really great. Like, I, I, I just enjoy his performance and, like, um, both, both the parents are really good. The, the, the performances are great. And the, the love story between the two young people. The young people and their companions. Um, yeah, so I've watched the first half of the show. You definitely think I should finish up? I, I do. Yeah. I do. And I, I think it got... You watched the first half of the season? First, first half yeah, of the season. I yeah, I do. I think it even gets better. Good, good enough. As it goes on. Yeah. And... Um, of course, I'm, I'm a guy who's just looking for some quality family entertainment. Sure. Something that we can all watch together. And I, I really enjoyed that show. It was fun. So, Doogie Kamealo MD, Disney Plus, Seven Avocados. Seven Brandon Lee was Bruce Lee's son, and he yeah. died doing The Crow. That's right. In circumstances not unlike his father's death. That's right. Okay. But Jason Scott Lee played Bruce Lee, is not related played to Bruce him. Lee. Looks, and still looks a lot like Bruce Lee. Yeah. Really does. I was like really you know. confused in my yeah. head. Yeah, me too. Me too. I was like, oh, who is this guy? No, I've seen him. And Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. I saw it was that a nineteen ninety three movie. It yeah, really yeah. Good. It's it's a good movie. Um Warren Holly, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um well I think that maybe we should just wrap this up with a a poem. Do do you have you're like <laughs> vamp? Vamping, you sink my battleship. I sink your battleship. Um, on the next episode, I would like to talk to you about Tobey Wingway, Wing Wingway, Wigway, Wigway. Um, who is a Nigerian-born Texas rapper. Nigerian born. I don't know if he's actually born in Nigeria. Was Toby born in Nigeria? Um, I know his parents 
on I love that kind of reboot he did of Purple Rain. I haven't even Purple heard Rain that. Thing. I, I'm just getting into him, and I think I go through a period of time where I'm obsessed with somebody's music, and I go to, through periods that nah, he, he, he's 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 from Houston, Texas, but his folks are Igbo and. He is a fascinating artist, and and I'm really, I I like periods of time where I'm obsessed with somebody's music, where if I'm pulling up a streaming service, there's like a main thing. I I can't stand that time those times when you're not obsessed with somebody's music, when you're kind of looking. Mm-hmm. I don't like transition times. I like prime time. Okay. You know what I mean? I don't like commercials or technical difficulties or recovery from surgery or addiction. I like prime time doing it. Okay. I like, I like the in between times, maybe. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they have their charm, but it makes me very uncomfortable. Just like the podcast. Well, let's, uh, let's not hold off any further on. Let's have a uh, poetry corner. Poetry corner. Flowers of Rad. This is a poem by my friend Samson Starkweather. You know a guy named Samson Starkweather? I do. Excellent poet. Born in 1975, just like me. Oh. Flowers of Rad. I want to write a poem as long as California, like lying on a couch forever. As a serious man takes notes on your dreams in a little book. Maybe I mean I want to talk forever. But is there even a difference anyway? Like my uncle who went walking and never stopped. Or that day on the LA freeway when a horse got loose. People freaking out. Cars honking and skidding. And me and my sister rooting for the horse. Who I still imagine 20 years later. Trotting around the LA freeway. A living argument against time. As people drive right past her. Without even noticing a horse. She keeps on, at home in the gridlock, a phenomenon in the smog. We want to think she is looking for something, but she is past panic now, content, her heart a part of that freeway, unaware that I am the one telling the story. And in this version, no one listens to anyone's dreams, and that couch is the one we broke off on while your parents were gone, blood on the cushion, which wouldn't come out no matter what we tried. So we gave up and just laid there. Sweating in the bliss of thinking nothing, and somewhere a startled horse is not smashed by a semi on the LA freeway on a summer day in 1988. Did they try a little club soda? That'll get that right out. (laughs) I accidentally pronounced the word cushion, cushion in the climax of that poem. Do I say cushion funny? My for, my forgiveness. That that is a wild and weird and amazing poem. Yeah, it's a great poem. Just like this podcast, pretty great. It took me by surprise. I had, I read it a long time ago, and I knew that I liked it, but I forgot exactly how it all went. Listen, we love you all. We want you to tune in next time when the podcast might get better. Certainly. Listen, 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 listen. The poor of the choices, the sweet of the wine.
Thank <laughs> you.